Okay, so uh, this evening we're looking at the whole subject of how to disagree well. The idea is I've got some questions, and guys here live with us in the building, if you have any questions, any comments, anything that you want to throw into the discussion, you'll see on the screen the text number. Donald, what is the text number? Oh, so, do you think anybody listens if I say that? No, but I always make you do it. It's, it's you know, one of those things. Oh, so. 0755, oh, hang on, 0754489 Is that right? I could have made that a bit bigger, couldn't I? HL5732. <laughs> so do, if there's anything that you want to chip into our uh, questions this evening, please do get involved. Now, Donald, you and I, generally, we get on well, don't we? Do we? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you say. I'm a little bit hurt by that. <laughs> we very rarely have major disagreements, don't we? That's true. We might have little disagreements. We might disagree on, on little things. Sometimes we'll have uh, longer discussions. Uh, and as we go through the session this evening, I might throw in one or two of those disagreements that we've had. And we'll just talk about how we unpacked it and how we came to that conclusion. So this whole thing of us talking about disagreeing well is something that we kind of put into practice in our daily lives. And I think for all of us, whether it's with our friends or our families, we're not always on the same wavelength. We're created as unique individuals. We are created with our passions, with our temperaments. That's a really healthy and a really good thing. So for one person, they might be incredibly passionate about something. It might be, you know, the very core of their being. They feel really, really strongly. For somebody else, that may not be their passion. They may not care. Their passion may be something completely different. But it's when those two passions, those two kind of worlds collide, and there is a disagreement. And so we see that on an individual level with those people around us. It might be in the workplace, friends, family. We see it on a, on a larger scale as well. And I was reflecting over the last few years in our country and in our world. And if we rewind about three years, there was the whole Brexit debacle. I don't even want to use the B word because it became such a, a toxic debate and discussion. We seem to have two very opposed uh, positions in our country. And rather than talking about it reasonably and rationally and, and trying to work it through... It was vile. It became toxic. People were screaming, shouting at each other. People were afraid to say which way they were voting. If you dared to say which way you were voting, 100 people would pile on you and would be like, why are you doing that, you complete idiot? And it was horrific. It was, it was a horrible debate and discussion, particularly on social media. Not just social media, but <laughs> the media, friendship networks. Families were divided over it. I was thinking, too, about America and the whole uh, election campaign, Donald Trump and uh, President Biden. Again, you have two different parties, two different opinions, but a country unable to behave like adults and to discuss it rationally and reasonably. We had the whole attack on the Capitol, which just shocked America, it shocked the world. It seems that as a, <laughs> as a world and as individuals, we really struggle with this whole idea of having a debate having different opinions. If we look at today in our country, we could maybe throw in the whole debate about COVID and vaccinations. You have those that think, yes, we all need to be vaccinated. We need to make everybody vaccinated. We have those that passionately, for other reasons, feel that it's not appropriate for them. And everyone's jumping on one side and shouting at another side. And again, it's become messy and unhelpful. Uh, and I, I saw a quote that I thought was really interesting. It said, the troubled times we live in and the rise of social media have created an age of endless conflict. Rather than fearing or avoiding disagreement, we need to learn to do it well. And that's what we want to talk about tonight. How do we disagree well? Now, this is a subject that's close to your heart. You wanted to look at this tonight. Mm. Why are you passionate about discussing this? I think... Uh all that you've just talked about, I think the, the last few years we have, as a world, descended far more into tribalism, where we want to gather around the people who we perceive, and sometimes they don't, but we think they completely agree with us, and we want to separate ourselves off from the people that don't agree with us. Uh, the rise of nationalism, 
um, one of the things you talked about Brexit, uh, my family are uh, Scottish, some living in England with Scottish accents, some living in Scotland with English accents. The, the Scottish independence debate was incredibly mm -hmm. toxic and frightening mm -hmm. in Scotland if you have an English accent and if you dare to take a different view to other people. And so there are lots and lots of ways in which I feel we are trying to create a world where we don't talk to anybody who disagrees with us mm. and we just have our own uh, tribe, our own nation, our, our whatever it is. And it feels that during lockdown that got even worse, perhaps because we couldn't interact with people, perhaps because we couldn't sit down with and have a cup of coffee with people and we just bombarded each other, it seems. Um, and then, as Christians, I've noticed that it's infected the church where there were issues that Christians would take a different view on. Suddenly, they're using language about people who disagree with them in a way that it wasn't... That language, that tone, mm -hmm. that aggression wasn't, wasn't used before. And that's really, really disturbed me and distressed me. Uh, in in our world uh, and to some extent in our own community and I've uh, lots of you will know that I'm I'm completely um, absorbed in in why Jesus goes on and on about love and I've come around to this in lots of different ways over the last few weeks you know where Jesus says you know if I speak with the tongues of angels but I have not love then I'm nothing and and should I just bring the scripture in here? Yeah, one from Ephesians yep. that's on, uh, up there. So he's, th this is in the same kind of line. He, he says, uh, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Then he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And how do you make the effort to keep the unity? It seems to me that there are two things that fail to do that. One is to say, I will completely humiliate and be aggressive with everybody until they agree with me. That isn't unity. It doesn't fit with be humble and gentle and patient, bearing with another, one another in love. It doesn't fit that verse before, so the context of that is wrong. And the other expression of making every effort is to just, well, I will just separate myself off. I will have my little church with all the people that have exactly the same views. And what you discover is you think you've found your tribe, all the people who have exactly the same views, and then you suddenly discover that they're a heretic in something you hadn't discussed before. So you have to separate yourself off. And you end up with tiny little churches. And over the years, I've known one or two individuals who simply couldn't find a church they agreed with. Mm -hmm. So they went to no church because there was no church that ticked every theological thing that they thought had to be there. And Paul says, and I, and I take it seriously, he says, make every effort. And then he, he gives us a hint as to what is important. He says there is one body. And you could say he's meaning Jesus, but I think he's more probably meaning one church. There is one people of God. There is uh, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of them all, through who, over all, and through all, and in all. And how, what does that mean to be united? Mm -hmm. how, do we, how do we be united with people we don't agree with? Mm -hmm. And that, that's, so that's, that's where it's come from for me. So I'm feeling very feel passionately about it. You talked about being passionate about things. I've, I've become passionate about unity. Okay, and let's just nail this one very quickly. The Bible talks about unity. It doesn't mean uniformity. We don't all have to think the same thing. No, because that's the point of the body. The point of the body is somebody's an eye, somebody's an ear, somebody's a mouth, somebody... What, and I think what, when, when Paul says these things that there are one, there's a whole load of things he never mentions. Mm -hmm. And to me... It's about saying, I need to focus on what I'm, what I'm united with people on. Mm. And I actually need to find the joy in seeing people who see things differently. Mm -hmm. And um, so a few, a few months ago, I, I, I did a John's Gospel. It became a little bit controversial because I was talking about how Jesus' word changes people. 
And I said at the beginning of the video, some of you may have seen this, some of you will email me about it. I said at the beginning that I calculated that there are 25 things that I've changed my mind on since I became a Christian because of how I now understand what Jesus said. And I implied in the video that I was going to tell the 25 things at the end. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, and when I made the video, I felt it was too much about me and it wasn't about Jesus, so I just cut that bit out. But I didn't cut the bit out at the beginning. No. Boy, was I in trouble. Yeah. So many people yeah. want to know what those 25 things are, yeah. and people are fearful. Yeah. And they're frightened. Actually, I, I, I looked at it again more recently, and I reckon it's 50 things. It's probably 25 things that are explicitly what Jesus said that I'd misunderstood. Mm-hmm. And the point of it is this. I feel I've grown, and that seems to me to be the point of knowing Jesus. Mm -hmm. I didn't get stuck in a time capsule five minutes after I gave my life to him. I didn't know everything. And one of the beauties of diversity is discovering things that you didn't realize, and discovering perspectives that you hadn't seen and discovering ways of understanding the scriptures that I had overlooked. Mm -hmm. And the problem with saying, I have now decided everything I agree with, and everybody who doesn't agree with me, I won't speak to them, or I'll hurl insults at them, or whatever, is that I become uh, stagnant. Mm So diversity is a good thing. It's saying, well, I can learn from people. And we'll perhaps talk more about this when we think about people who disagree with us. How can I learn from that? What's mm-hmm. gone on in their life? What have they seen that I haven't seen? How have they understood things that I haven't understood? And that kind of answers the very first question that we had in. We've had quite a few questions. Fantastic. Keep them coming in. Uh, and the question was, how do you balance knowing what you believe with being open to learn and to change? So that's what you're talking about, the whole process of hearing other perspectives yeah. and then working that through, always I, being open. I think P- Paul's quite helpful. For me, Jesus is Lord and Saviour. Yeah. That's, that's pretty crucial. Yeah. Uh, there's a load of other things that are not tied up in that statement yep. that I can explore with other Christians and other things. But what matters is that I submit my life to him, recognizing that all through my life he's continually said, this is the new thing that I need to sort out in you. And that we're open to God saying, you've got this wrong. Mm -hmm. And he's my savior. In other words, for me, it's non-negotiable that Jesus died on the cross for me and for you and that he rose again and that he's uh, preparing us for eternity and he wants us to, to bring people with us into eternity. That, for me, is, is the one faith, that yeah. Jesus is our Lord and Saviour. Yeah. That's quite simple to hold on to, I think. And in our, in our church, we have lots of people with lots of different points of view theologically. Mm. I mean, we, we'll agree on the fundamentals, yeah. but that's okay. That's, that's a healthy place I think it's healthy. Be. I think it's challenging. Yeah. And that's good. And You see, if I've changed my mind on 25 to 50 different issues, in 10 years' time, I've changed my mind a bit more from the people in the church who currently I disagree with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Iron sharpens iron. Absolutely. There's strength in that. Okay, we've had a question in, uh, another one. Um, Scripture, 1 Corinthians... Uh, It says, now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you will speak the same thing and that there will be no divisions among you, but that you uh, be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. The question is, how is this possible when there are so many differences and points of view? I think it's possible by recognizing what is it we need to speak with one mind on and what is it we need to say, it's great that there's diversity and there's a different perspective, and it's not the main thing. Mm -hmm. The main thing, I think, is to be united. How will anyone know that we're disciples of Jesus? Because we love one another. That's what he said. He says, if you speak the tongues of angels, if you have faith that can move mountains and you have not love, then you're noise, you're rubbish, Mm -hmm. it's nothing. So the main thing is to love each other. That is the main thing. That's what we need to speak with one voice on. 
And that means patience. This scripture talks about being patient with each other. Um, if we put, I could put another one on. Uh, this is where we began with uh, Timothy. But he goes on and he says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because they know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach and not resentful. He's saying, look, just leave it. Mm -hmm. If there are people that, that just don't be quarrelsome, don't be hurtful, don't damage someone, we're not all going to agree because we're not all finished and perfect. Yeah. And the thing is, I don't know what I'm perfect on and you're not, or you're perfect on and I'm not. Sure. And that's where humility comes in, where we go, okay, I, this is how I see it at the moment, but I might be wrong mm. and I might need to grow and learn. But the main thing is to love. Yeah. And that's what we need to speak with one voice on. We speak on one voice that it says we're going to be patient with each mm. other. We're going to forgive mm. each other. We're going to be a community of grace. We're going to be a community that uh, cares for people who disagree with us. Mm. That even if we think they're enemies, we've actually got quite a strong command of how we behave with enemies. Yeah. So that's what we speak with one mind on. Yeah. I mean, someone said this. I don't think people know how to listen anymore. There is a difference between hearing and listening. Without that, nobody can agree that we've got our own opinions and we don't yeah. spend enough time listening to what somebody else yeah. might be saying and what we might learn from it. There may be things that we have in common. So you're, you're talking about, uh, if you've just put that verse back up again that you had up. The Timothy one. The Timothy one. Uh, stupid arguments. Um, how do we know... What's a stupid what argument? What is a stupid argument? Because to me, it might be the most yeah. plausible argument. You, you, you know. Yeah. Some, some things you would talk about there being a hill to die on. Yeah. That there would be uh, your non-negotiables. And some things, out of love, we just step back and think, okay, we're different. I don't need to say anything or speak into this situation. You believe that. I believe this. Bless you. Where do you draw the line? How do you know where that is? I thought, I thought a lot about this, and I think... I want to ask the question, why? So the two, there's two whys I want to ask. One is, why do I feel strongly about this? And as I thought, I mean, I need to hold my hand up because people who had known me as a young man would go, he was incredible. I um, was incredibly argumentative. <laughs> and I do hold very okay. strong opinions. Yep. And I worry slightly in my old age, I'm actually becoming less temperate. I was incredibly argumentative as a young man. I went through a period of feeling I've mastered it. I actually feel in the last 18 months I've lost a bit of ground. I've become a little bit more uh, argumentative. So I'm, I'm not, I am, I, I am not good at this. But what I was trying to work out in my head is why do I feel strongly about things? And there are some big answers to that. Sometimes I feel strongly about things because I feel humiliated. Okay. Do you have an example of that? I've, well, uh, where you think... When somebody pushes you into position and you realise you're wrong, but they've been so hard on you that you can't say you were wrong because you feel useless if you say that. And that's a very difficult and dangerous place to be, where we don't have... We are, we are arguing strongly because our ego and our self-esteem is at risk here. And sometimes that's because the way people argue with us and the language they use. And I, look, I try, when I catch myself, it's, it ask myself, why, why is this making me so angry? And if it's making me so angry because I feel they think I'm thick or I feel they think I don't uh, know my Bible or I feel they think... I'm uh, damaging or in some way, and I get defensive, that's not a good place. I mustn't die on a hill that I'm just being defending for no... I'm just defending me. Yeah. But then sometimes there are things where I get... The why answer is because somebody's life is at risk. Somebody's well-being is at risk. And not me, but somebody else. And I think that that's probably a hill to die on. Where there are things that will really, really 
harm the life of a person. So that ties into this question exactly. Okay. It's as if you disagree with someone about something that would end up in hurting themselves or others. Do you step in or do you let them continue with what they are doing and find out the hard way that it's wrong? Well, you see, if the goal is to change a person's behavior, mm -hmm. nine times out of 10, the way we step in will affect whether we change them. Yep. So it's not simply a question of do we say something, it's actually, it's how you say it and when you say it and what you say. Mm -hmm. Because of this thing about play, pushing a person into a corner yep. and them having to save face. Yep. And we know that in family life, don't we? Where we, we, we have these arguments and you know they know they're wrong, but they're jolly well not gonna tell us that they're wrong. Mm -hmm. And actually that's our fault because we've pushed too hard. Yep. But I think if a person is at risk if somebody was teaching something that I thought would harm this church, I would say that's, and I'll make it, that's a line. I'm not going to accept that. you do that. that, absolutely. And yeah, there have been times when I've done that. Um, so there is the one question of, well, is it damaging someone? But the second question is, how am I going to get them to change? Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it, it's like in any conflict, there is a time when you just say, stop. Mm -hmm. And there's a time where you think, I actually don't want you to stop, I want you to change. And if I want you to change my language, and my, I've got to help you come to that conclusion. So the, the, the best ways in which I've changed my mind over things was when people didn't tell me I was wrong, they said, have you thought about this? Mm -hmm. And they left it. Mm -hmm. And I went away and I thought about that, <laughs> and I looked into that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel that I had to save face. So I think whenever we're dealing with an intervention, mm -hmm. if, if you like, there is a time when it's so serious we haven't got time to be polite. But most of the time, being hard or aggressive or uninvited is actually creating the very thing we want to stop. Yeah. It pushes people in the wrong direction. Yeah. I've got 101 questions here, so I'm going to ignore all of mine, uh, which is great. Um, oh. This is more of a practical one. How can you show love while in a heated argument, especially about ethics and morals? I think I've, I've learned the hard way. Whenever I'm getting heated, I need to walk away. Mm -hmm. Because at that point, all I'm doing is reinforcing what I don't want them to believe. Mm -hmm. and, and, and if I can hold on to that, that I don't want to reinforce this. I don't want to make this a deal. So I need to pull back. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I think, I think when we're dealing with uh, not our closest family and friends who've given us permission to speak into our life, but when we're speaking with normal relationships, the moment we get heated, we've lost it. The moment we get heated, we've lost it. There's, there's no point. Mm -hmm. uh, it might be for, and it's stepping back and saying, why am, I, why am I getting heated? Why is this, why am I getting angry? And most of the time for me, certainly on morals and ethics, it isn't because I think there's a great danger, it's because I think Humi I feel humiliated because they don't agree with me. And that's my issue, and I need to, to back off. And I want to focus on, if I'm right, then I want to help them change, and I want to allow God's freedom for his spirit to do that. And me getting angry confuses the whole thing. It just, it just doesn't achieve it. I react really badly to um, people getting angry with me it quite often makes me not want to debate things because there's that fear that, oh, someone's going to have a complete go at me. I remember the whole discussion I had with a previous pastor years ago before I came to this church about baptism. And I'd been brought up in the Church of England, and he said, I was going to a Baptist church. And he said, you know, you come to a Baptist church, you've got to get baptised. Why haven't you been baptised? And he was really quite aggressive and rude to me about it and basically said you've just got to get on and do it and, and, and shouted and for me that had completely the wrong uh, effect 
it made me dig my heels in and say, I'm not going to do it until I feel actually this is the right thing. Uh, and I need like you to take time to work it through in my head and work it out. But if you shout at me, I won't listen to you. Mm. You wouldn't, as you know, you never shout at me. You would never win an argument shouting at me because I just switch off and walk away. It's never a good thing. It, it's, you know, when Jesus is confronted with a woman caught in adultery, he doesn't have an argument about no. the morality of, being, no. of committing adultery. No. He doesn't. He treats her gently and that transforms her. Yeah. Okay, your next question. How do you disagree with someone who is disagreeing for the sake of arguing? Well, that's where I would, I would simply apply Timothy, have nothing to do with it. Would you say that to their face? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just worrying in case there are people I've said that to. <laughs> I think I probably have said I'm just, I, I'm not, I don't want to talk about this. You'd be that blunt. I think I have been, yeah. <laughs> I think so. I can't, I haven't got time to have pointless arguments. Great. You heard it first here. I, <laughs> I, I, yeah, definitely. Okay. Donald has described the emotiveness, sensitivity, and divisiveness within the complex issues of today, e.g. Brexit and COVID. Sometimes even when you carefully choose thoughtful words, it's just not worth the risk engaging in discussions because it's so easy for it all to end badly. What are your thoughts on this? I agree. I agree. Um, I, I, I would rather be in a position where people say, what, I genuinely want to know what you think, rather than me trying to create an argument. And if we know somebody has a strong view, I, I, I would tend not to feel on most issues it's worth going there we just build a let's build a consensus around all the things that we do agree on and build a relationship that in time that might give the opportunity for a gentle discussion about where there might be a disagreement but I, I, I if you take the Brexit thing I I've never said in church what I think. I might have said to individuals, but fundamentally, I actually don't know whether I'm right or wrong. <laughs> so, I, how and I, I don't think it's something that I ever really want to disagree with somebody over because I don't know enough about it. I have a thought, I have a view, but I don't know that I'm right or wrong. And I don't think I think it's not something that it's helpful. So. Why then did you uh, look at your face? I love it. Why did you? Are we going to disagree? No, 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 no. Why did you record a video on this is why I've had the uh, coronavirus jab? I'll go and get my P45. <laughs> because I believe that not taking the jab endangers people's lives. So that's a slightly different issue to Brexit. Yeah. So it's a fundamentally, I want to save people's lives. Yes. There's been a lot of untruths discussed about it, internet and other places, and you wanted to say, this is what I I just I wanted to say is. why I thought th that I should be vaccinated. I was under a lot of pressure, and still am, to take a side. You know, people want people like me to be on their side. Mm -hmm. As I guess it happened on Brexit. With Brexit, it's not for me to take a side. I don't, it's not, I don't think it's endangering people's lives, Brexit. It can, I don't think it's endangering anybody's life. It's, it might be frustrating, but it's not endangering a life. And I might be wrong about the vaccine. I, may, you know, I'm, I, 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 I absolutely might be wrong. And I thought, because I try to under, one of the other why questions, why do people disagree, is trying to understand the different points of view. And I looked a lot into it. But I fund, as the reasons I gave in that video, I fundamentally think there's a risk of not doing that, not to my life, but to the life of the community. I, 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 can, I can be with Jesus, but I don't want to take a bed up that somebody else needs because I didn't do something. And I don't want someone to, 
to catch something off me that could have been restricted in its infectiousness or, or, or whatever. Fundamentally, I don't want to, at that time, we didn't know whether it would reduce infections or whatever. I just didn't want to take up a bed that I didn't need. One of the interesting things I found about that video was that you say you didn't take sides. You didn't have a go at those that weren't taking it. So what you really helpfully did was, these are some of the things that the people are saying, this is what I believe. Yeah. So you were not throwing stones at anybody else. You were not pointing your finger. You're saying, this is about me. Yeah. This is why I have made this choice. And it wasn't all emotional and angry. It was just reasoned, these are my reasons. Yeah. Take it or leave it. It wasn't, I'm the pastor of your church. You will believe in this. Yeah. Although your voice does carry weight and authority, so you thought long and hard and prayed long and hard about doing it, didn't you? I did, and, and I've said a number of times in letters to the church over the last few months, I think it's really important that we as a church hold together different views. I yes. don't expect people who took a different view on the vaccine to leave our church. Yes. I want people to be a part of the church and for us to say we don't agree on that particular thing, yep. but it's not a thing to divide. It's not a thing to to break the unity of Christ. Mm -hmm. It's not about who, whether Jesus is my Lord and Saviour. Yeah. Um, so there are lots of issues where I will express a view theologically or practically, but it's not, I don't expect people to have to conform. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important that I live amongst and hear the different perspectives. And I might have got that wrong. I might mm -hmm. have done that wrong. I agonised over the, the video. I might have made the wrong choice choice on that and I, I have to I hold that humbly mm. um, there's, a, there's a really important understanding in the New Testament which I haven't put the scriptures up but in Romans and in Corinthians they, they have to deal with a, a, a division in the church over whether they should eat meat that had been placed out in idolatrous worship and then is left over after the idolatry is finished and the food is left there and the, the custom was to give that to the poor. So there'd be this, this pagan, perhaps you want to say occultic service. This food is left at the end, it hasn't been, it's been burnt or whatever, but it's still there and the practice was to give it to the poor. And the church was divided as to whether the poor members of the church should eat that food. And it's really interesting the way Paul deals with it because he expresses his own view, which is that it's perfectly all right to eat the meat because nothing can contaminate what God has made. But he says, don't force anybody to do it. And if somebody doesn't feel at peace about doing it, you encourage them not to. In fact, you facilitate and you help them not to eat the meat. Mm -hmm. So he says, look, I will eat meat because I don't think there's anything wrong. But, I'm, mm -hmm. but, but you guys... If you do feel it's wrong to eat that meat, don't eat it. Mm. And don't, those of us who he calls stronger should not make those who he calls weaker uh, do something against their will. Yeah. And I think that's a really helpful uh, pattern for church relationships where we might say, I don't feel that this is a, a thing to be upset about, but I'm not going to force myself on somebody else and I'm going to respect their conscience I'm going to respect their opinion. I'm going to love them. We're going to be one body, but we'll have two different practices. Mm -hmm. Great. Uh, I'm aware we're defeated by time very quickly. Uh, is there anyone that you've uh, disagree your disagreements with are so bad that you've broken off contact with them? Uh, there are people who've broken up contact with me. That was their choice, not yours. Yeah, yeah. I can't think of anyone who I've chosen to break contact of. I've tried to repair. I genuinely, I mean, you know, I genuinely can't think of that. That's not my nature. <laughs> I will pursue people who disagree, who feel hurt by me. There are definitely people who have left this church and won't speak to me. I can't deny that. But that's, from my perspective, tragically their choice and not, um, not what I ever wanted. 
and not that I'm saying this has happened in your situation, but if there are people that are in a situation where the disagreements are detrimental to their mental, emotional, physical, spiritual health, it is okay to walk away from that, isn't it? That's not what happened with you and those other people. But if in someone else and the way that they are towards them in... Well, Paul says, in that pa- one of, is it that passage we just looked at? Uh, he walks, says, have nothing to do with them. Yeah. Walk away from argumentative people. <laughs> yeah. And even uh, Christians can be argumentative uh, people that can be unhelpful. Uh, let's look at, I think it's Titus is a bit more clear. Uh, avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law, meaning the Old Testament law, because they are unprofitable and useless. Warn divisive people once and then warn them a second time and after that have nothing to do with them. I certainly have not replied to a second or third email where people want me to keep going on argument. Mm. I'll reply once, and I'll reply twice, mm. and then it's finished. Yep. I've said what I think, and the person doesn't agree with me, fine. Yep. So I definitely think we should walk away. Um, most of the time for me, that isn't walking away from the person, it's just walking away from that area of conversation. Yep. I'm just not going to talk about that thing anymore. Yep. Um, and I would never c- cut somebody off, but he does say have nothing to do with them. And uh, So if in your, your, what your situation, absolutely. Questions are still coming quickly. Now keep going, it's fine. How do you know when you know enough about a topic to have the authority to stand strongly in a position? <laughs> I I think one of the real keys, and this is a big principle I wanted to get across, is we have to understand the alternative point of view. Mm -hmm. So when somebody disagrees with you, if you if you can say I understand exactly why they their point of view, and that's actually really hard because some people don't articulate it very well, Mm -hmm. and we can project. And one of the problems with social media and the internet is it doesn't give us the reasons for the people we disagree with. It just tells, them, tells us that they're wrong. So we need to really dig down. So before we are absolutely convinced, we need to understand completely the alternative. In such, and the test is this, is to be able to say to them, I know you think this, 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 and they say, you're right. Mm-hmm. They don't say, no, but. They say, you know, that's exactly my position. And if we can do that and then say, but I think this, this, and this, then we're on a bit more solid ground. But fundamentally, I don't think there's much. What was the the phrase that was used? I'm sorry, I've gone to another question now. Uh, how do you know when you know enough about a topic to have the authority to stand strongly in a position? Okay, I don't think there's much. I stand on the authority of Scripture. Yep. Other than that, I don't think I have much authority. Um, I think I go back to I will not allow somebody else to be oppressed or damaged mm-hmm. on, on my watch. Mm-hmm. So where there are things that are damaging to people, that's where I'll be authoritative. And that's incredibly rare, but it happens, as, as, as you know. Um, other than that, I hold it lightly. Um, one, one of the things about Scripture, and I, I'm sorry I keep going on about uh, taking on a different area, but one of the things about Scripture is I believe fundamentally that Scripture is our authority. Mm-hmm. But I think fundamentally there are places where scriptures can be pitted against each other. And so saying scripture is my authority, it's not good enough to say, this is my, this is my verse, and I will ignore the verses that mm-hmm. say something different. You know, Jesus says again and again, you've heard it said, but I tell you. Mm-hmm. So the only way to me to take scripture as authority is to see it as how do I find the harmony that was intended there? And to do that, I have to do that through Jesus. Mm. And so one of the things that grieves me is I'm often accused of not taking Scripture seriously. And what that usually means is there is a verse here that 
taken if that was the only verse in the Bible would mean something different to what I think it means because it's alongside the rest of Scripture. Mm. And so I think the rest of Scripture, and in particular Jesus, and in particular Jesus on the cross, interprets what that Scripture means. And most arguments in church, everybody's saying, it's, uh, the Bible says this. We can all do it. Well, the, the, the key is to say, I hold all the verses on this subject, and I can find a way of understanding them all, believing that God intended them all to be there, believing that they are not meant that you pick one and forget the others. Mm-hmm. And that's too often, in all the big debates about, over theology... It's, here's my key verse, and I won't look at the rest. And actually, that's not taking the Bible seriously. We have to say, okay, Jesus knew the whole scriptures. So let's let's see it through his eyes. And sometimes people take that key verse, they don't take it in context, and they don't take it with the meaning that was intended by the author. Just throw that in for good measure. Absolutely, and they find a version of the Bible that says it the way they want it to be said. Or even a paraphrase that isn't the Bible at all. Oh, controversial. Okay, another question. (laughs) That was me failing miserably to be... um, Awkward. ...agreeable. Over the years, parts of the church have supported the Third Reich, apartheid, Mm. the slave trade, and many other examples of seriously damaging worldviews. How do we disagree with brothers and sisters when we feel strongly that they hold harmful positions? Yeah, and I think that's a really good question. I think that those views are incompatible with Jesus. Yes. So that's firstly why we have to interpret those bits of the scriptures that were used by those views. You have to, you have to cha- let Jesus challenge that interpretation of them. Clearly, racism damages people mm. and can't be accepted in, mm. in the church. Mm. Um, so that boils down to my thing. Is this, is this a thing that is oppressive? and is damaging a person. Um, and that's the line for me. Uh, so we do, we do have to stand against those things, and we have, you know, as, as a church over the years. I think this is the final question that's come in. Uh, what about when either way someone will get hurt? That, that's the pain, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know there are people who left the church <laughs> and it hurts boy does it hurt as a leader because you, you, you uh, I absolutely love this church I absolutely love people that come, everybody yeah. I, I genuinely do and when someone is so hurt and that they, that they, and, and unwittingly, I have definitely hurt people. Um, well, I don't know the answer to the question. This side of heaven is not perfect. Yeah. And this is a broken, sinful, damaged world, and that seeps into relationships, and people do get hurt. I think we've got to do all we can to avoid hurt. We avoid people beha- doing behavior that hurts somebody and we avoid our behavior hurting somebody. We've got to do all we can. But sometimes we, we can't avoid it. And that's, as long as, as long as we don't enjoy it. Mm. <laughs> I, uh, I've all, I don't like confrontation, as you know. Okay. I don't like confrontation. And I, and to some degree, I admire people who, who are good at confrontation. But I'm always dubious of the people who enjoy it. Uh, I, can't, I can't understand why, you, why someone would enjoy confronta- confronting. I think, I think I should be more able to confront than I am at times. But I don't think we should ever enjoy hurting or squashing someone. And I think this is what... Well, if we're drawing to an end, I think this is what I really want us to say. How we speak to somebody about what we disagree with them is far more important than whether we're right or wrong. Far more important. I remember a church meeting many years ago, 
we had some church meetings many, many years ago that were quite painful, where there were things that were said between us that were difficult, and, and, and tempers were lost. And I remember um, another church meeting where we had to debate a very difficult subject. And I remember saying, it does, what matters now is how we speak to each other is far more important mm. than the decision we come to. Mm. And I, I genuinely believe that. I think it's more important how we deal with people we disagree with mm. than whether we're right or wrong. Mm. And you can be right and wrong because of the way we've said it, the yeah. way we've dealt with that person. And we're so wrong that we actually make them carry on being wrong because yeah. I think, well, if that's, I don't want to be part of that. Uh, the way we speak is, is so, so important. The, the, I'm not saying it, that, you, that you can say the wrong things in a right way and that makes them right. All I'm saying is you can say the right things in such a wrong way that it's worse than if you'd been silent. Just to say, to clarify, in those church meetings, you did not lose your temper. We're not talking about you. No. You didn't. Just wanted to put that out there and make that clear. Okay. You didn't. Thank you. You behaved very honorably. Finally, bullet point. How do you disagree well? Hold lightly that we may be wrong. Yep. Make sure we understand why we are getting heated. Uh, make sure we really, really understand why someone takes a different point of view and work out, is this dangerous or is this just something we can agree to disagree on? And if I really want them to change their mind, what is the best strategy? And the best strategy, I think, is love, gentleness, compassion and graciousness. As it turns out, that is God's nature. Behold, the Lord your God, I am a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. That's a description of God. That's how we behave with people we disagree with. And I know people will say, yeah, and he punished the fourth generation. And that's true. There is a point in which he says, no, this has to stop. Yeah. But the overwhelming thrust of that description is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. If I get those four things right, I have the right to rebuke at times. And the final thing I'd throw in there is when we're on the internet, when we're on social media, ah. we've not even touched social media, and we, you know, it's a, it's a huge thing. Don't say something on social media that you wouldn't say to somebody's face. Think about how it comes across in black and white without the motives, without the heart behind it. Check that you know your facts. Check that you're not just retweeting or copying what somebody else has said as part of your argument that may not even be true. Just watch how you use social media. Not a great medium to have a debate on at times. And we must, I hope everybody understands that what you are fed is not objective. You, the way the medium platforms work is that they want you to keep on their platform so you can see their adverts. The way they think they, you keep on their platform is they will send you things that they think you agree with. They will never send you the opposite point of view. No. Because they think you'll, you won't stay on it. Yeah. And the way they decide whether something is really worth you knowing about is not the number of likes it has. And this is part of what Facebook, that this mm. leak came out a few weeks ago. It's not how many likes it's got. It's not how many dislikes it's got. It's how many comments it's got. It's how many people got really worked Head up top. by it. Yeah. And you will be fed, whatever platform you're on, you will be fed the things that work people up. Yeah. That's, the, that's the way the metric works. So you are constantly trying to be pushed into a corner where you hold things strongly. Yeah. That's what social media is trying to do all the yeah. time. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be on it. It just means you shouldn't argue on it yeah. <laughs> because it's manipulating you. Manipulating us. Brilliant. We're going to hand back to the band in a bit. I just have a sense that there are people here this evening or that are watching this at home that have maybe been hurt and damaged by discussions that haven't been helpful and mm. perhaps part of our response we can yeah, yeah. pray for and incorporate. Yeah, well, why don't, if Chloe comes back with the band, do you want to just pray and then we'll go from yep. there? Yeah.
I yep. wonder whether I can pray for those that maybe have just been damaged, that, that this has been something that's been unhelpful in their past or in their present. Maybe words have been spoken over them. Maybe there's fear and maybe there's hurt. And I want to just pray and ask God to, to meet us in those situations. And then I want to pray for those of us that maybe are in situations where we need to have discussions with people, that there are things that are going on that we want to just have God's wisdom uh, and God's spirit to lead us in those conversations and to lead us in his love. Um, so I wonder, as I pray for the, the first group of people, I wonder if we all just close our eyes. And if you're in that first group, maybe you've been hurt and you've been damaged by a discussion, by a conversation, by something that's gone on. I wonder whether you want to just, just gently put your hands out in, in front of you as a sign of this is me and as a sign of God, oh, I need to have your help and I want to receive your spirit and your healing. Let me just pray. Holy Spirit, we want to invite you to come and to minister amongst us now. Father, you know that as we talk about this whole area of disagreeing, there will be some amongst us who have been hurt. Maybe words have been spoken over us that have run deep. Maybe we have felt useless, insignificant, not good enough, wrong. I pray right now for those folks that Holy Spirit, you would come and you would fill us. You would fill us with a sense of your presence. You would reaffirm your love to us. May we know that we are loved. And may you begin to be at work, removing those words that have been spoken over us, helping us to know that we are precious, that we are dearly loved, that we are good enough. In the days and weeks ahead, would you help us to move on from that hurt and from that pain, to start afresh again, we pray. And then, Father, for those of us that find ourselves in situations where there are disagreements, where we have uh, different views to those around us, as we hold our hands out before you, we invite you to fill us with your spirit. We ask that you would give us a gentleness, a wisdom, Give us an understanding from you. Help us to know when to speak. Help us to speak in the power of your spirit and in love. Father, help us to know when to stop and help us to listen. Father, this is such a complex and difficult area and we invite you to lead us to speak, to help us. May we be real witnesses to you in our conversations and in the discussions that we have. May it be our love and our compassion and our mercy that draws people in the right way and not fear and aggression. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.